Ahoy, ahoy. Welcome in, welcome in. It is the 9th of February, and I got some XFL on in the background. I am living the dream on a Sunday here in majestic British Columbia. And I am ready to do a best ball tournament, so I thought I'd just turn the mic on and let you guys follow along. But yeah, let's get in here. I have uh, just under 10 minutes now here before the draft starts. I haven't seen my draft position yet, and I'm just going in. I'm 8th. I'm 8th overall. I did. I saw that already. Actually, I forgot that I had seen that. Ran up to get my coffee and all that good stuff and had forgotten that I am at the 8th pick. Obviously, a lot comes into play right away. I always look and see what my first you know, three or four picks are, where they land draft position-wise, and you know, map out a little bit of a skeleton about how I'm going to attack each draft, and best ball is no different. Talking about draft position, talking about best balls, I'm at the eighth pick. I actually don't mind that this year. You know, I'm going to be looking at a lot of different players, whatever. Uh, you know, maybe I, I end up taking like a Joe Mixon or uh, what, what I'm getting at is I probably will be taking a running back in the first round, even though I might have, you know, if Michael Thomas is there at eight, I'll definitely consider him. He's ranked at sixth on my list. Maybe I could run through my ranks really quick. So I do have Christian McCaffrey at the 101, just like last year. Hashtag CMC, no matter what. Uh, I have Saquon Barkley at number two, kind of chalk. I have a really outlier number three overall player that I, you know, I just haven't seen him even really in the top 10 in most people's ranks. So number three, I have Nick Chubb. I know it's a bit of a hot take. I entirely expect Cleveland and Kareem Hunt to part ways, and I don't expect uh, Cleveland to add anything of major significance in that backfield. I think people are expecting Cleveland to be some sort of pass-heavy team or whatever. I disagree with Kevin Stefanski coming in there. I just think, you know, Nick Chubb is this year's Dalton Cook almost. And he'll play more snaps and get more use than Dalvin Cook did in Minnesota last year while putting up the numbers he did. At number four, I have said Dalvin Cook. I have the man himself. At number five, I have Ezekiel Elliott, probably a player I won't be targeting in too many of my drafts this year because of my boy Tony Pollard. Although, and yeah, I just think it might be a very pass-heavy team in Dallas. Not a pass-heavy team, but, but a team that gets a lot of their explosive plays via the pass game and you know might rely on Dak a little bit more, especially once he is... Uh, a high-paid man, not that Ezekiel Elliott isn't amongst his position group. At number seven, I or sorry, number six, I do have Michael Thomas, and number seven, I have Nuke Hopkins. I do have him in the same tier, and they're both the you know my my top tier of wide receivers. Just those two, Tyreek Hill, one hundred percent arguable that he is in that tier, uh, especially when you hear about Sammy Watkins' comments. Maybe yeah, you know, I might be on the other side of that where I don't think he's going to sit out a year. I actually think he might take a pay cut like he said he's also willing to do uh you know the nflpa is probably telling him to shut the fuck up on that one but i really think sammy Watkins stays but you know demarcus robinson will be gone he is a ufa and i do expect him to leave he'll just want too much money from kansas city and we just seen them do that with chris conley they don't bring these weapons back so tyreek hill and miko hardman definitely the two players i like a lot in that back in that uh wide receiver room and i just expect uh you know that kansas city offense to be prolific again in 2020 at number <laughs> at number eight, I have Aaron Jones. I know that's going to come off as a little bit of a hot take, but if you want Dalvin Cook that high, you have to be willing to put someone like Aaron Jones that high, and that's exactly my mindset, and I actually like Aaron Jones' situation a little bit better than Dalvin Cook's all of a sudden. I will seed to talent. They're just two, those are two of my favorite players anyways. But Aaron Jones at number eight, maybe a little bit high. Definitely a player I'll be targeting in this draft. The other guy is Joe Mixon. I'm worried I'm going to be picking between Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon. Very tough decision no matter what. You know, Joe Mixon's going to have a lot of people in his corner. Obviously, a very strong finish. He has, you know, a little bit of new coaching coming in. But 
you know, Zach Taylor and the run game, definitely not something you're going to say in the same sentence too often. You hope Bill Lazor has an effect on that run game in Cincinnati. But Joe Mixon, there there is concerns. You know, my, my number one concern is the one that you should never fucking have, and that's that he bit me last year. He bit me in a lot of places last year. And the reason that I'm a little bit skeptical or a little bit, ap- a little bit of apprehension is it's the same thing this year. People are like, oh, well, look what he did in a poor situation last year. Look what he did in a poor situation in 2018. Uh, I just worry that we might be a year early on the ceiling. Having said that, Joe Burrow coming in, we have this whole new paradigm in Cincinnati hopefully and that'll that's a boat that could rise all or a tide that rises all boats or one of those one of those sayings uh so Aaron Jones at eight Joe Mixon at nine at number 10 I have Tyreek Hill he's kind of this like solo lone man tier I have wide receiver there uh had a Chris Godwin ahead of Mike Evans and guys like that had a Devontae Adams I'm pretty low on Devontae Adams compared to the masses and behind Tyreek Hill are two running backs that honestly I won't probably own very much of and that's Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara I'm looking at Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon. Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara go before Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon. But Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara both have a lot of problems. Uh, Alvin Kamara, honestly, you know, I don't have a lot of time here with three three minutes still draft. But what I'm saying is Alvin Kamara, there's there's a serious potential for a holdout there with Alvin Kamara. I really, I really actually think that could happen. I know the Saints don't, they, number one, they don't treat him like a pay, uh, bell cow back. They don't want to pay him like a bell cow back either. And you know, Sean Payton has a history with just kind of disrupting the flow between him and his running backs, and it, it just wouldn't surprise me if they go out and draft somebody in, in the draft, like an Antonio Gibson, or you know maybe a LaVisca Chenault would just make so much sense in the first round for New Orleans. Uh, it would give Drew Brees an extra huge weapon close to the line of scrimmage, and just you know a, a weapon that could be used by Sean Payton. I would actually love that fit, LaVisca Chenault in New Orleans. But it, I just have a, I have a few concerns with Alvin Kamara, and I know that he also has huge touchdown regression coming. The New Orleans Saints scoring more touchdowns in the run game is as sure of a bet as there's ever been uh, from one season to the next. They obviously uh, had 20-plus touchdowns in 2018 and 2017 uh, when it comes to the run game. They were the only team above 20-plus touchdowns in both those years. They just absolutely dominated the league over that stretch, and I expect them to bounce back after just an absolutely brutal brutal touchdown scoring season last year at number 13 another uh, player I'm much higher on than the masses and it's very unfortunate because I did these rankings before Jalen Richard signed his extension Josh Jacobs however I'm not backing down too much maybe I will go with a Leonard Fournette maybe I will go with one of the Tampa Bay wide receivers over Josh Jacobs in the second round there especially if I've secured one of the running backs that I'm looking at in the first round having said that psh, Josh Jacobs he's just so good probably the best pass catching back coming out of that class last year in the running back class you know I love Miles Sanders and David Montgomery if I could say anything nice about David Montgomery it's that he's a fantastic pass catcher and he just hasn't been used that way and Josh Jacobs is in the similar uh, situation almost he had 27 targets last year I think DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard combined for 84 targets so it's just kind of criminal how he's being used in the passing game having said that I expect Oakland to be a better offense next year have more weapons that'll lend him more touchdowns scored on the ground and Josh Jacobs was banged up with that shoulder injury most of the year. And, you know, it makes you wonder about that whole uh, saving saving himself for, for NFL and, you know, don't put tread on the tires. It's, it's one of those arguments that doesn't really have a right answer case by case. Anyways, I have one minute here. 
Number one thing you always do when you enter one of these best ball tournaments after, you know, even before you analyze your draft position, look at your opponents, see if you recognize these people, all that stuff. What you want to do is load up your pre-draft rankings. One of the most important things you can do is have a preset draft rankings. Uh, it just goes such a long way in these live drafts because you only have one minute to make your pick in these drafts. And man, it, it, it comes quick, especially when you're in the eight spot. You know, you feel like you have a lot of time in those eight picks in between at the turn. You don't. So if we're talking a little strategy here with 30 seconds left, all I'm talking about is a little bit of risk aversion early in drafts. My first few picks are definitely going to be elite style players who, you know, they don't have a lot of uh, red flags surrounding them. So, you know, that's a reason that I have someone like Josh Jacobs ahead of a Leonard Fournette. You know, it's things like that because it's a little bit less questions associated with Josh Jacobs and job security, you know, volume, all that stuff. I don't know what's going to happen with Leonard Fournette. The other reason, oh, and we're off. So the number one pick should be Christian McCaffrey, I would imagine. Christian McCaffrey, 101. And water is wet. Saquon Barkley at the 102. And Dalvin Cook, the 103. He's been the usual suspect at the 103. Obviously, my dream scenario would be to get Nick Chubb at number eight. So I'm going to wait on beta breath, kind of. Ezekiel Elliott at the 104. So it's gone running back, running back, running back, running back, and we'll see that in a lot of drafts. Maybe we'll see Michael Thomas sneak into that top three. I've seen him in a lot of rankings in the top three, but the advantage you're getting with these running backs, keep in mind when you have an early pick in these drafts, you're not going to have the ability to get one of these elite locked-in running backs on the way back. You just won't have that uh, getting into the into the 20s, right? You just won't have that. On cue, there is Michael Thomas at the 105. So I'm not going to dish a lot of stats on players or anything. I might, you know, a little bit. I want to try just because this is the first best ball of the year, you know. Ooh, I am on deck. So I'm going to have on deck. I'm going to have either Nick Chubb or that really tough decision I talked about with Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon. So we went Derrick Henry. So I'm very lucky. I'm going to get Nick Chubb here. Boom. The guy I have third overall in my rankings. I get at the eighth pick. And it just leaves me, it leaves me really happy to be able to select to Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, someone like that on the way back. And if not, maybe I will take a Josh Jacobs. Maybe I will take a, you know Aaron Jones who miraculously falls to me. Because, like I said, this is so early in best ball season. We really don't know where these players are falling. So I'm more going to talk about everybody else's picks. I'm not going to dive in. Usually, maybe in some of these live best balls, I'll talk about Nick Chubb. I'll talk about why I'm targeting him so high and all these things. Maybe I'll do that if I have time. But I want to talk about where these players are going. Who's going where. This is the first best ball. we got to keep in mind the ADP that ends up coming from all these uh, early best balls is extremely accurate. It's much more accurate than most people's rankings. And at least when we're talking about the true way you should value a player in the market. So if you're a contending team in a dynasty, look at this early ADP and that's what you want to do. You can also marry that with things like hit rates and win rates and see how many, you know, top 15 wide receivers in ADP ended up finishing top 10 at the position, things like that. You got to go through that stuff, realize you know, statistically, how many top 15 wide receivers you need on a contending dynasty team, 
you almost have to treat it like redraft, so to speak. And also just for best balls, you need to know the win rates, hit rates, all that from last year. And I will dive into a lot of that stuff. I'll also have a lot of best ball episodes, but for right now, we're just talking about where players are going. So, you know, I love this right behind me with Nick Chubb went Joe Mixon. So that, you know, that's the guy probably him or Aaron Jones right behind Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones. Right behind him, Tyreek Hill. So, you know, my preset rankings are pretty dialed in to where the value is right now. That's actually, you know, those are the three players that I had ranked 9th, 10th, and 11th in Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, and Tyreek Hill, I think. Or, you know, if not, Derrick Henry behind the, the lot of those guys within Alvin Kamara as well. But it's just, it's interesting to see that you, you don't want one of these guys going, like if I had Derrick Henry ranked 15th or 17th, you know, I'm never going to have one single share of him. And he's not the least safe player, if you get my drift. Like, he is a fairly safe player because of the volume he's locked into. And, you know, I started the process, especially hearing his comments throughout the season, early in the season and throughout last offseason, heading into his final contract year. I was under the impression that he would not be brought back by Tennessee. But, you know, there, there's some really, really unique aspects to the CBA right now. Uh, Long story short, I think teams can use both the franchise tag and the transition tag. So there's actually a scenario where uh, they're 100% sure they can bring both Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry back. But I also think uh, there's a scenario where Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans just work out. uh, You know, it's a really good fit there. And, you know, they've, they've really already developed him. And he probably only has two or, you know, two years more of this kind of level of production in him. Uh, so, uh, you know, you wonder what happens with Derrick Henry. I'm under the impression right now that he does return to Tennessee. One of the best values in the draft here, DeAndre Hopkins after Tyree Kill at the 112. I also like to see that those two wide receivers are going pretty close together because I, I thought I might have been a little high on Tyree Kill, but, you know, he is going to go at the 1-2 turn, I suppose. Seeing DeAndre Hopkins go off the board was kind of devastating. I want to, I wanted one of these big wide receivers like Tyree Kill, DeAndre Hopkins to miraculously fall to me. But, you know, it leaves the door open that maybe I get a Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Like, I, I still want to be looking at wide receiver. Another thing about drafting near the end of the rounds in 2020, you're going to have a lot of available options. You can go with Josh Jacobs, a Leonard Fournette. You can even go a Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler in the second round. I'm not going to laugh at that. I love those two picks in the second round in DJ and uh, Austin Eckler and Miles Sanders. And then there's all these wide receivers. You have Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, DJ Moore. The other thing that I want to talk about is you have the tight ends available. If you have this late pick in the second round, uh, or sorry, if you have like the the mid to late pick in the first round, you're going to end up in the mid, you know, mid second round here. So you're going to have the first stab at a lot of these tight ends sometimes. I expect maybe either Kelsey or Kittle, probably Kittle to go off the board. He's being valued over Kelsey. Maybe I'll say that I actually, I have Travis Kelsey over George Kittle. I have them in exactly like, I almost value them identically to be honest. But it's more Travis Kelsey, four straight years as the number one overall tight end. That's never been done. I'm not sure if anyone's ever been the number one overall tight end for three years straight. And, you know, you had four straight 1,000-yard seasons. That's never been done. And I think uh, I'm going to actually – so Travis Kelsey went right in front of me. It makes me want to take George Kittle really bad, to be honest. But I have a big tear break here with – oh. Because the question I have is, is, could I get a Miles Sanders or an Austin Eckler at 32 overall? That's where my tier kind of breaks off. As long as I can get a DeAndre Swift and these kind of guys in a little bit later. So, I think I have to go Josh Jacobs here because I don't think I can get a Miles Sanders or maybe I can even get a DJ Moore in the third. No, that's crazy talk. Maybe I can. So, I'm going to go Josh Jacobs here. 
We don't have bye weeks, of course. Not that I usually would factor in bye weeks in my uh, early round picks. But getting back to the Travis Kelsey George Kittle debate, I probably should have. George Kittle went right behind me there. You know, there's not going to be a lot of opportunities to get George Kittle as late as 17th or 18th overall. He has a lot of heat on him. But I am a little bit ahead on Travis Kelsey over Josh Jake uh, over George Kittle, and it is just because you know. Greg Olson leaving Carolina just to give him a, a holla. Only it was only a few years ago that he was the first tight end to ever have three one thousand yard receiving seasons straight, and so to see Travis Kelsey do it, I mean he's putting up stuff in comparison to why, like scoring like top ten wide receiver. He's doing things that Gronkowski did. He's surpassing all these things that Gronkowski did. All the while he's been extremely durable and extremely reliable for your fantasy team, and that's a huge huge. Uh, you know, difference between best ball and redraft. In redraft, I don't mind if a guy's injury prone because he can sit on my bench. Will Fuller can sit on my bench all he wants. There's replacement level players out there. And, you know, that's not the case for best ball. You don't have a waiver wire or an injury reserve spot. So big, big uh, difference between best ball there. So off the board after George Kittle was Austin Eckler. Like I said, I probably, you know, he was, I was really, I, that's why there was no chance I was getting Austin Eckler and Miles Sanders in the third round. But like I said, this is early best ball. So, you know, bear with me. If some of the things I say sound kind of damn, they probably, they might be, but you know, this is my first go around in best ball this year. This is the first one for a lot of people in these drafts. So we're going to see where people's guts at and Chris Godwin at the two eight, that feels like really good value. And Mike Evans still on the board and DJ Moore still on the board. Those are just insane values. I won't I won't be getting a Mike Evans I won't be getting a DJ Moore I don't know why I even brought up DJ Moore it's just just a hurt I guess but somebody I am gonna look at is Juju Smith-Schuster he's a guy who, who you know maybe Allen Robinson guys like this they are wide receiver ones and they're a little bit you know they're safer picks in my opinion the other option is looking at quarterbacks by the way I think it might be a new era where I'm looking at two quarterbacks in the third round like you're not gonna I thought they would have been gone by now I thought Lamar Jackson would have definitely been gone by now so after Miles Sanders, there's Kenyon Drake. That's pretty early for me, but I do have him ranked in the third round, actually. And then Mike Evans goes right after him. And uh, the actually, the only running back I had over Kenyon Drake was uh, DeAndre Swift, so who I expect to be the first running back off the board in the NFL draft. If I had to predict a landing spot, I'm like, I don't know, I'm pretty confident that he might go to Miami with uh, one of their three picks in the first round. So getting back to wide receiver, there's three guys I'm like going to be considering. I said Allen Robinson. I said, uh, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster and Odell Beckham. Those are two I don't think I'll have uh, Odell Beckham on the board. But Juju Smith-Schuster, I actually kind of like over Odell Beckham, to be honest. Same with Allen Robinson. Same with Kenny Galladay. So Kenny Galladay is the other guy. And, you know, there's a fourth guy, Cooper Cup. But I'm, I'm confident I can get Cooper Cup on the way back in that fourth round. And, you know, the other guys that I didn't mention who are ranked right around them in my rankings would be Amari Cooper. And that's more of a roster construction issue and A.J. Brown as well. I just I'm not confident with Amari Cooper or A.J. Brown, unfortunately, being my top wide receiver on my on my uh, best ball team. I need a little bit of insulated volume. I need some guaranteed volume and guaranteed spiked weeks. Like I, you know, Amari Cooper is more appealing in my opinion, like 100% more appealing in best ball than he is in a redraft or even a dynasty league. But especially when you consider like the, the market value some players have, but you know, he just puts up so many shit weeks. I just don't have time to get into it. Cause I want to go through some of these guys. So, you know, after, after Kenyon, after, so it went Miles Sanders, it went Kenyon Drake to round out the second round, it was Mike Evans and then DJ Moore. Those are just two great picks at the back end of the second round where you can still get a wide receiver one. 
So it makes me confident that I might be able to get one of the guys I'm talking about because it went Odell Beckham and A.J. Brown. And the irony is those are two guys that I expected to be gone before it got to me in the third round here. But I also was pretty confident that I did not want those two to be relied upon as my top scoring wide receiver in a best ball because I just don't know if they're not going to have five, six, seven really low weeks. And I think Odell Beckham's floor was kind of, uh, we saw it evaporate a little bit last year. And Cleveland's only going to add more weapons in that passing game. And they're going to they're gonna be re- way more run heavy in 2020 than they were in 2019. And to be completely honest, we've seen Odell Beckham have little chemistry with, with Baker Mayfield. Well, ba- Baker Mayfield's kind of treated Jarvis Landry as his go-to wide receiver, much to my dismay in Dynasty Leagues. But it's true. So, wow, a really interesting swing here. So uh, Mark Ingram went at the 3-3. That's a little early for me. I like Mark Ingram, but I was worried this might happen. So, you know, in a, this is full PPR in best ball. I'm playing on MFL. T- I'm doing MFL 10s. Those are full PPR. Mark Ingram a little bit early at the 3-0-3. Right behind him, I love the pick DeAndre Swift. He's, you know, one thing that you're going to talk about with a lot of these top backs is what's their upside or whatever. DeAndre Swift has the highest upside. Whether you want to have J.K. Dobbins as your number one, whether you want to have Jonathan Taylor, I don't care. Uh, the, the the bottom line is the you biggest upside is on DeAndre Swift's side because of his pass-catching upside. Devin Singletary. So I'm going to go Kenny Galladay. And right now, what I'm doing is just trying to manipulate this draft a little bit because I have a pick coming up in eight picks. I want to I wanna test the ADP. So this is an early draft. This is what I was saying where might sound dumb what I'm saying. So I took Kenny Galladay over Allen Robinson, over Juju Smith-Schuster, over Cooper Cup. Those were the kind of the guys on my board there. I even actually entertained uh, Mark Andrews and I entertained Patrick Mahomes like just in the back of my head there where you know I might, might, might be looking at those guys. Even the rookie running backs I was just talking about, J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor, right on my radar there at the 3-4 tur- turn here. But what I was saying is I did take Kenny Galladay because uh, I think he has the highest value. I think he was going to go the soonest there if you catch my drift and I want to see where these other guys go I want to see where Cooper Cup goes I want to see where Juju Smith-Schuster goes I want to see where Allen Robinson goes and I want to see how far uh, Amari Cooper is going to drop in this in this draft I also want to see where Patrick Mahomes goes because I am interested in Patrick Mahomes at the 3-4 turn and after that I'm not looking at a quarterback maybe Deshaun Watson a little bit later but I'm not looking at a quarterback till like ninth round after that you are on deck you are up hmm I like those tight ends too. Keenan Allen there. I should take J.K. Dobbins. That would be the pick because I might end up having him in my top 15. So this is the argument. Like if you're ever going to, you know, get into those hit rates and stuff, the hit rates are just super strong when it comes to hit rates for the top 15 running backs in average draft position. And I kind of just marry that with my top 15 rankings. Like if I'm going to have a running back in my top 15, I really want him on my fucking fantasy team, obviously. So what you do is you want three of those running backs in your top 15. It just, it, 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 it can make you dominate a league really. If two of those hit, you just need a few other pieces hitting around him. Uh, so JK Dobbins, you know, and Jonathan Taylor definitely on the board. So what, Jonathan Taylor went before me. So let's run this down here. So, you know, cause there were some weird picks here. Let's go all the way back to Deandre Swift. Cause that's who I was talking about at the three, four at the three, five, it was Todd Gurley. And just gonna get a bong hoot in here. At three five, it was Todd Gurley. Way too early for me. I'm, you know, I had Todd Gurley 
low at last year, gonna again this year in 2020. Lamar Jackson at a 3-6, sign me up. Like, what? I don't know. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are the only two quarterbacks who could possibly put up 400-point fucking fantasy seasons. That's just unheard of. Not gonna find that. Like, hook it up, man. And then Devin Singletary at the 3-7. I thought he would be going higher than this. So I might, you know, he might be a guy I start to look at more if he's gonna be there in the fourth rounds or something, but... And then after Devin Singletary, I took Kenny Galladay. That's where I went Kenny Galladay at the 3-8. Behind him, check this one out. Melvin Gordon at the 3-9. I wouldn't even... I don't know where he is in my ranks, but I wouldn't be considering him at the 3-9. Chris Carson, no problem with that pick. Le'Veon Bell at the 3-11, whatever. I mean, honestly, I could go all day about Le'Veon Bell. He was probably the worst running back in the league when it comes to volume. If you look at running backs with 200-plus carries, he had the least amount of everything when it comes to 10-plus runs, 15-plus runs, everything. I think as long as maybe he had 120-yard run this year, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you got a lot of use in the passing game. They're going to add a lot of weapons. They're losing Robbie Anderson, but they're going to add different kinds of weapons that are going to command targets. Jameson Crowder commands targets. Chris Chris Herndon, Ryan Griffin. I like those two tight ends a lot. I, I just don't see a lot of room for Le'Veon Bell. Obviously, the coach hates him. There's just so much there with Le'Veon Bell. So at the 311, that's just too risky. Plus, we're already in that range where I'm saying you got to be taking these wide receivers because this, we talk about hit rates, wide receivers in the third to sixth round, and this is the money spot. This is where we get Tyler Lockett's, Chris Godwin's, all these wide receivers every year. We just smash this range of the drafts. This is where you're taking your wide receivers, and hit rates bear that out year after year after year. Having said that, I will concede that in 2019, we saw a really bizarre spike year in hit rates among running backs in this range of the draft from Derrick Henry like there was literally like five to ten of them who hit from this range of the draft so uh you know I'll, I'll give him kudos for that I'm not sure if this season's the same in fact we're gonna see a lot of wide receivers going in this range of the drafts the running backs you're looking at are they obviously have question marks I like some of them I like carry on Johnson as a talent can he stay healthy I don't know Detroit you know they're just cursed since Barry and you have Philip Lindsay, who, you know, it, it, I love Philip Lindsay so much. The irony is that he's used kind of like a bell cow between the tackles, Devontae Freeman in Atlanta in his prime style. It's just, it's so weird how he's used. But if he could get the pass catching, you know, work, I would love it. And, you know, maybe we see a little bit different schemes there with the new offense in Denver. And they're going to have some more weapons, I hope. So, you know, Philip Lindsay, he'll, he definitely interests me. But what I'm getting at is these wide receivers in this range, there's just like, I'm taking wide receivers here. <laughs> or tight end, you know. If a Mark Andrews and a fucking Darren Waller in the fifth round, oh my god. But, like, looking at the wide receivers, you have a DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. These are in order of how I have them ranked here, by the way. So I'm looking at Tyler Lockett, uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, baby, Jerry Judy in this range, Robert Woods, uh, Tyler Boyd, Adam Thielen, Debo Samuel. And then, you know, some of the running backs that, that I like more that start, you know... The Philip Lindsay's, these guys just fit the bill of not paying off. on Johnson, all these guys, especially someone like David Montgomery who's going to go in this range. But when when we get past, if I'm in the sixth round and I have a Raheem Mostert available, you know, even some of these rookie running backs like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you know, I'll be jumping on those guys for sure. But for now, I'm sticking to wide receivers because even after those guys I was talking about there, I'm still looking down my list here. I have Julian Edelman, Calvin Ridley, DJ Chark, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Parker, nah. Uh, Noah Fant, someone I'm going to be all over at tight end. I didn't mention like Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, guys like that, that I'm looking at at tight end because I do try to get a, a nice piece at tight end. I don't always ignore tight end. Sometimes I do. I don't know. I'm, tight ends, whatever. But I'm still looking at Christian Kirk, Jarvis Landry, and then yeah, T. 
T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, Mike Williams. There, there is a lot of wide receivers, and I'm going to grab a couple rookies at the end of the draft. Nicole Hardman's a huge target of mine. Like there, There's wide receivers for days in 2020. It's just going to blow people's minds. So getting back to this draft, eh? You know, I mentioned Amari Cooper. I didn't mention went at the 4-3, by the way. I didn't get Juju, obviously. So Pat Mahomes went at the 4-1, Juju at the 4-2. Amari Cooper, Jonathan Taylor. That's when I took Allen Robinson. So my team right now is Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson. And as early as the fifth round here, I'm definitely looking to start taking risks if I want to. And this is when I start queuing guys up a lot more. I'm definitely using my queue a lot more once we get to this point in the draft. And it's definitely thinning out as it gets to me. There's a lot of good players going off the board here. So just coming back to the fourth round here, we saw Marlon Mack, James Conner, Keenan Allen at the 4-8. You are on deck. So the two players I'm going to be deciding between here are going to be Tyler Lockett. Actually, Philip Lindsay is the highest player on my board, by the way. And I only have two running backs. Hmm. You are up. And there is so many wide receivers. See, deviating, I don't disagree with too much because... We saw the drop-off that occurred last year. And, you know, I know last year is going to be the outlier when we look back on it, but it was definitely a historically bad year for 0 RB. And I also know that rookies are something that I don't want to not be able to take, so to speak, in this draft. So I most likely will go with six wide uh, running backs. I obviously will, but maybe I will pass on Philip Lindsay here and just go with my Tyler Lockett or Terry McLaurin debate. Uh, T-Mac, I love T-Mac. He's... He's so unbelievably good. I'm just going to go Tyler Lockett. I think he's actually getting a little undervalued. The fact that I can get him later this year than I could last year kind of makes no sense to me. Uh, I know DK Metcalf, could. he might already have passed him on the depth chart. He probably is the number one. He's definitely the alpha. But the way Tyler Lockett's used and just the upside and efficiency and in the red zone, and he's pretty much one of the most efficient wide receivers we've ever seen in the history of the game. I know it has a lot to do with his relationship with Russell Wilson, but... I'm just saying that uh, Tyler Lockett is the motherfucking mate. So I did take Tyler Lockett. And it also just, you know, Terry McLaurin, I like him a lot. But with Kenny Galladay on my roster, with Allen Robinson on my roster, I kind of just wanted target more target upside. But I think Tyler Lockett has that, you know, big play. He still got kicked out outside to run a lot of go routes and things like that. So I just think Tyler Lockett's attached to one of the best offenses in the league. And with Russell Wilson's comments, I'm serious. I know it's weird, but he's made like three different comments in three different uh, events or venues or whatever this offseason all about you know let's fucking go Seattle and you know the guy if he throws over 600 passes in his career ever I know that's like a lofty goal for someone like Russell Wilson but if that happens ever uh man alive get ready fantasy and it feels it's frustrating that Seattle keeps being ultra competitive because I didn't really see that coming to be completely honest and I don't know <laughs> basically I wish we would have seen Pete Carroll and Kyle Shan- uh, uh Schottenheimer uh, replaced by like a younger innovative coaching staff that you know we all love right you now. You are on deck. Okay, one time, one time, one time, one time. You are up. So we're gonna take Terry McLaurin here at the sixth. I'm sure that's very early. There's a definitely a tier break, like a big tier break here when it comes to Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper being on the board. So, you know, with with three wide receivers, two running backs on my team, there's no running back on my board. Deshaun Watson is definitely a tier break at, at quarterback right here. In the sixth round, I just don't love taking a quarterback in the sixth round, especially when there are other onesie positions I could grab right now that are way less deep and probably have a bigger tier drop when it comes to Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry. 
So maybe I should steer towards an Austin Hooper or a Hunter Henry. I just, they both have such unsure situations. I'm probably actually just going to go with Terry McLaurin because I'm so high on Terry McLaurin. Uh, how everybody isn't is beyond me. Jerry Judy's definitely a high player on my board, by the way. Uh, Jerry Judy was actually my second wide receiver ahead of someone like Tyler Boyd and Julian Edelman. I did have Tyler, uh, uh, Jerry Judy. So Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd, Julian Edelman, DJ Chark, Michael Gallup, CD Lamb. All those wide receivers are Christian Kirk, Jarvis Landry, other guys you can pair with some high upside uh, wide receivers. But what I'm getting at there is I, I ended up just going Terry McLaurin because you got to go with the guys that you're really, really high on. And he was the highest player on my board by, a, by quite a bit there. So passing on Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry. Austin Hooper, obviously, with free agency coming up. I don't think Atlanta's able to keep this guy, man. I really don't know where he's going to go. But I'm not 100% sold that he's going to see. We're going to look back and say that Games 1-8 to eight last season in 2019 for Austin Hooper when he was tight end 1 overall by like 20 fantasy points over Travis Kelsey. He was like a top 10 wide receiver for the first 8 weeks of the season last year. And you're getting him at tight end in like the ninth or 10th round. But I just think Austin Hooper has a lot of uphill battle to fight if he goes elsewhere because of the unbelievable pass volume that we saw in Atlanta last year. They were like 12 away from the completed passes record. Uh, and Austin Hooper is a PPR guy. He's a... He makes his money on receptions. He's not going to be an athletic after the catch guy. And frankly, neither is Hunter Henry that much. But I do like Hunter Henry a lot. I just have no idea who's going to be the quarterback in Los Angeles right now. So I'm pretty confident Hunter Henry's not the player who's going to skyrocket in value. I'll be able to get him in the fifth and sixth rounds of these drafts, especially because of the influx of talent in this 2020 draft. We're going to be able to get good values on tight ends, I think. So. You know, I'll take a look at tight end. I, like I said earlier, Noah Fant's a guy I'm really, really targeting. I might even take him in the 7th or 8th round. I don't know if that's crazy. I'll, uh, I'll have to kind of gauge it. But, you know, Darren Waller, maybe I should have grabbed one of those guys earlier. That's the maybe one of the takeaways there. So let's try and go back in this draft to a bit. I talked about those running back runs there. Allen Robinson, Marlon Mack, James Conner, Keenan Allen at the 4-8. J.K. Dobbins went right after Keenan Allen at the 4-9, and then Zach Ertz at the 4-10. That's a nice little run of value there, in my opinion. Stefan Diggs at the 4-11. A lot of people might think that's a great value. I'm not sure if it is. Unless he gets traded, that'd be a great great time for everyone uh, in Dynasty. Oh, God. D.K. Metcalf at the 5-1. So I thought that was important to say that he did go ahead of Tyler Lockett, just as I do have them ranked. Uh, just Especially in, in best ball, I think D.K. Metcalf's going to have those big, big games. Mark Andrews at the 5-2 and Darren Waller at the 5-3. Those might be two of the best values I've seen so far in the draft. And I'm really keeping it by that they went at the 4, you know, at the 4-5 turn there. So it was unfortunate that I don't have picks like right there, you know what I mean? But that's clocked for future best balls. Right behind them, Debo Samuel in the fifth round as well. Carry on Johnson in the fifth round. So those are those are some picks that we remember, you know, one we had to pay more for and carry on Johnson last year. Debo Samuel much cheaper, kind of a sleeper last year, so to speak. And one thing we loved to do last year was grab Dante Pettis in the sixth or seventh round. Hey, fuck you. And we would grab Debo Samuel late. And Debo Samuel was also one of my favorite prospects that at this point of the draft last year, because he was a senior, because we expected some early production, because we expect some rushing production, not obviously that prolific of rough rushing production from uh Debo but we did expect a lot of what Debo did in year one and then you know you get the landing spot and you look like a tremendous value so Damian Williams went at the 5-6 one of the Super Bowl boys we want to see where most are, where Williams goes Devontae Parker at the 5-7 another contentious player a lot of people like him as like a borderline wide receiver one this year Tyler Lockett's the player I took at the 5-8. I just think he's a pretty safe player to take there. He's going to have lots of big weeks. He's going to have touchdown weeks. He's going to have big play week. We all saw that from him. He, he, 
you know, we thought he might blow up last year. The only problem was he was very inconsistent. He still had a lot of those big games. He had a bunch of like 12 plus target games. And right behind him is another really good pick, a safety pick, and a really big touchdown regression to the mean guy, Robert Woods. I think he only had two or three touchdowns this year. So Adam Thielen behind him, another guy who could experience some regression. And it's why you can't really see a huge increase with Stefan Diggs because, you know, you look at Adam Thielen missing almost the whole year, and he's kind of been Kirk Cousins' favorite target. So how do you how do you expect Stefan Diggs to increase so much if Adam Thielen's going to be healthy? Obviously, he's pushing with his age. Lot there with Adam Thielen and that offense. I do expect Gary Kubiak still being there to not affect that offense very much. It's going to be very similar, run heavy. Him and uh, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison all the way there. Raheem Mostert at the five eleven. I thought it was interesting. He went behind Damian Williams. I would have. I have Raheem Mostert ranked significantly, not significantly, but ahead of Damian Williams right now. It wouldn't surprise me if Andy Reid does fuck us all and not draft a running back though. But I actually, you know, with, he's got to draft a running back, man. Especially with Shady back in Philly. I just feel like that we were waiting any year for that kind of play. Like him to draft a really good running back in the first, second round. He did it with Cream Hunt. Didn't work out so well. <laughs> don't see him going back there. But I just don't see Damian Williams being given the... He's not going to pay off on a fifth round value. David Montgomery, speaking of which. <laughs> right at the turn there. Evan Ingram at the 6-1. No problem with that. Philip Lindsay at the 6-3. That might be the, you know, the best pick of the draft so far. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The guy I was saying I was looking at as well in that range. Oh, really? I wish, I wish I had a Houston Texan on my team in the seventh round. Interesting. Because the running backs fell off a cliff there. I kind of fucked that up. I probably should have grabbed a third running back. And I have four wide receivers. So a Jerry Judy or a CeeDee Lamb, who are my top players. So top players on my board are CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy. The really interesting one here is I have Deshaun Watson here. And I have him as the highest player on my board by quite a bit here. Well, Jerry Judy, actually. But I'm going to take Deshaun Watson because I don't have a quarterback. Now I don't have to worry about a quarterback all draft. Now what I do, I guess it gets us into quarterback philosophy and draft philosophy, how I approach quarterback. I rarely, rarely take a quarterback in the top 80 picks. It's kind of one of my rules of thumb. However, that's the mid-seventh round. I just took Deshaun Watson at pick 80 overall. So I don't love to do it. I'm not going to get a lot of shares of Deshaun Watson. And guess what? They're going to add a big weapon in the draft. Maybe they trade Will Fuller if somebody's willing to give him a second or third or fourth round pick. Maybe they trade Will Fuller. But what I'm getting at is Deshaun Watson's going to climb in value. He'll be going in like the sixth round, early seventh round. So I'm getting a tiny bit of a value there. Plus, I do think it was just a, a big teardrop because I, you know, I don't want to wait and take a quarterback later but you know it's frustrating because trust me every time you do this you end up being like oh i should have waited till the 11th when you see guys going off the board maybe i see dak prescott in the late 10th you know it's it's things like that 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 make you always end up kind of regretting taking a deshaun watson or something but <sighs> ride or die plus the, the i really it's a victim of really wanting a running back there and maybe being a little heavy on wide receiver at this point in the draft not heavy but you know, I said I take a lot of wide receivers in the third to sixth round, and I took one in all four rounds. <laughs> it's just like breathing, man. <laughs> so let's go Let's go back in the draft year. After Clyde Edwards-Solaire, that's when I took Terry McLaurin, and then it was a little bit of a wide receiver run with DJ Chark, Michael Gallup, and then we saw a tight end in Austin Hooper finally go. We saw Tyler Boyd, and then a little slot wide receiver run here with Tyler Boyd, Julian Edelman, Jarvis Landry, and then Christian Kirk. And to kick off the seventh round, we saw John Brown, David Johnson at the 7-2. Not touching him right now. Cam Akers at the 7-3. I'm not super high on Cam Akers, but I definitely see the argument. Interesting. I know exactly who I'm taking if he's there for my pick. Oh, okay. You are on deck. Oh, I got snipe, boys. You are up. 
Noah Fant sniped in the eighth round. I might take one of these rookie wide receivers then. I don't want James White, I don't think. Duke Johnson really interests me because who knows what happens to Carlos Hyde. What are they going to do there? And then Zach Moss is somebody I'm targeting, but I don't know what his ADP is. Kinda, I kind of want to feel him out. Sony Michelle, no thanks. Actually, I could take Sony Michelle and James White. That's an interesting play. But then I'd have to like take fucking Rex Burkhead and Damian. That's an interesting play when you target kind of two running backs. From a very high-powered run game, uh, let's just go with Jerry Judy because he's going to go higher and higher as we get later and later into the season. Now I'm just going to take super big stabs late, even though Jerry Judy's sort of that right now. But I do expect him to be going higher than the eighth round once he's made a top 15 pick in the NFL draft to, say, Oakland or Denver or one of those places. Uh, but, you know, I forgot. I was just thinking, I'm looking at my roster here, so... Deshaun Watson, when I take a quarterback in the seventh round, don't love doing it. When I do do it now, I don't have to look at quarterback until, say, the 14th or 15th round. And it might be the only time that I end up with a quarterback who's not in my top 20 on my team. Because usually I want two quarterbacks in the top 20. I don't draft a third quarterback. Roster construction is something we'll get really, really deep into throughout the offseason on these best ball pods. But, you know, as a rigid rule, I go two quarterbacks, six running backs, sometimes five. Uh... Six to eight wide receivers, usually seven, and two to three tight ends, hopefully two. But in this draft in particular, I'll probably have to go three tight ends. But that's why, you know, taking Noah Fant wasn't devastating there because if you do take a quarterback like Deshaun Watson in the in the mid-seventh round, you know, you really want to start to take values at tight end. You don't want to be double-dipping in uh, the single-digit rounds in your onesie positions, in my opinion. That's kind of a big mistake that a lot of people make. When you look at win rates and stuff like that, some of the roster constructions with win rates, People who have one quarterback and a tight end drafted early in fantasy drafts have some of the lowest win rates out there. And consequently, when we're at this point in the draft, I definitely want to look at stacking. And that's one thing that, you know, Deshaun Watson was a big teardrop, but at the same time, there's not a lot of players I can stack him with. If I wanted a Will Fuller, you know, I'd probably just go shoot myself in the face instead, but he is on the board. <laughs> and he makes for a really interesting pick because I do have five wide receivers on my team. Say I take Will Fuller in like the ninth round, say he's on the board here coming up or the 10th round or something uh it's just an interesting play i think because then i can just hammer my running back position the rest of the draft and take one wide receiver maybe late and then yeah just jump back to quarterbacks there like now that i have deshaun watson there's just no way i'm looking at adding another quarterback because i'm obviously under the expectation now that deshaun watson is going to start most games for me in my best ball lineup like Obviously, we know it just takes your best players, your high-scoring players each week and auto-populates that lineup. And Deshaun Watson, you know, I said Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson have the only 400 fantasy point, you know, range of outcomes in the entire NFL. You know, I, I, I could include, I can make an argument for Deshaun Watson just from that rookie season that we saw him before uh, that injury because... You know, he was on a pace, he was on pace for about 400 fantasy points that season. I think he was scoring 27 points per game before he got injured there. So I do I do really like Deshaun Watson and you know, I think he's a little bit held back by coaching obviously. I think he's a little bit held back by his fucking goddamn offensive line that's, you know, just putrid and I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully we get a little bit of uh, a little bit of growth on that offensive line and I really do think we'll have a little bit of an infusion of weapons on that offense. Maybe Carlos Hyde comes back in some way because I don't see him being like a huge target for a lot of teams out there with all these running backs uh, available in free agency, all these running backs in the draft. Uh wow. So, are on deck. Sheesh. Oh, uh, there's so I got 
this is why, you know, the, there is a lot of nice wide receivers still on the board. Even a Brandon Cooks, you know, once you have a lot of wide receivers, you can you can take that risk on. Uh, but I'm talking guys like Preston Williams, Will Fuller, T. Higgins. These guys are really attractive still. But having said that, I, I need a tight end at this point of the draft. And, you know, I now there's one guy that could be kind of a breakout player, and that's T.J. Hawkinson. Mike Gesicki I have actually ranked ahead of T.J. Hawkinson, but uh, maybe I'll just wait till the 10th and take whoever out of those two. But either or is my tight end one. Definitely doesn't inspire confidence. But the guy I'm going to take here is actually Duke Johnson because I need I need to start taking running backs. And I also have Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs. I didn't get into it, but... And, you know, number one is because I see pass catching upside from both of them. Number one, they're both spectacular at doing it, Josh Jacobs especially. Number two, I do see that role in their offense for both players expanding in 2020. Nick Chubb will see Kareem Hunt go out the door. I know that Freddie Kitchens insisted on a third down role. I'm not sure uh, what's going to happen necessarily with Kevin Stefanski, but, you know, I do see kind of the first half Nick Chubb that we saw last year is kind of Nick Chubb's floor next year, in my opinion. So I just don't see why he's not a top five running back. Josh Jacobs, on the other hand, you know, a lot more questions about it. Definitely a guy that I'm not going to be taking in a lot of drafts, I don't think, because of the a little bit of the risk factor when it comes to him paying off his ADP. You know, If you're finishing as a top 12 running back, usually you have about 50% production from you know, work on the ground, about 50% of your production is going to come from the air. Uh, the outlier this season was obviously Derrick Henry. on deck. You are up. Wow, Daniel Jones in the 10th round. So I'm going to take TJ Hawkinson in the 10th. And I, the reason I really like this play, though, because I have Kenny Galladay on my team, it makes a lot of sense. But it, it just really sucks that I have Deshaun Watson on my roster. <laughs> Even though, hey. Oh, no, he's not yet. But yeah, having TJ Hawkinson and Kenny Galladay, I'm pretty confident, especially if like something like Marvin Jones getting released was to happen, but I'm pretty confident I have a lot of touchdown upside in that Detroit offense, a lot of big play upside too in that offense. So really like uh, putting guys like Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson on your team, especially when you're using, say, a third or fourth and uh, a 10th round pick on, you know, doing so. So let's try, I'm going to try and fire away on some of these picks that we missed. Okay, so just going back to like almost the seventh round there, I guess. I think I left off and said Smokey John Brown. Yeah, David Johnson at the 7-2 and Cam Akers at the 7-3. Uh, interesting picks. T.Y. Hilton all the way at the 7-5. And right behind him, another similar, uh, just even better, A.J. Green at the 7-6. That's an interesting one. And a history uh, with injuries with the knee, Darius Geis, 7-7. That's an interesting pick as well. So Tyler Higby and Jared Cook were tight ends who went in the seventh round. Marvin Jones went in the seventh round. I think that's a little high. I even think there's a scenario where he gets traded or cut. Tevin Coleman, eighth round. Speaking of a guy who could be cut, I don't know what happens with Tevin Coleman at the 801. That's a little early for me. Russell Wilson at the 82 is a guy, I, uh, if I didn't take Deshaun Watson, he might be the only other quarterback. I, him and Dak Prescott are guys I'm targeting as well in uh, that you know ninth round range. Eighth round, I don't know. Uh, Noah Fant, I love that pick in the 8th round. And then obviously I took Jerry Judy in the late 8th round. Uh, Jameson Crowder in the 8th round, I know Robbie Anderson's leaving. Not sure I love that pick. Devontae Freeman in the 8th round, just a wasted pick in my opinion. I seriously mean that. CeeDee Lamb at the 8-9, I love that pick. 
Kyler Murray, I uh, misspoke. He's definitely a quarterback I'm targeting. He might be a quarterback I'm targeting in the 8th and ninth round as well. Josh Allen will not be his guy. Definitely have ranked more as a 10th rounder, kind of in that next tier. Behind those guys I talked about, definitely far behind uh, those guys in value for me. Mike Williams, Deontay Johnson, and Miko Hardman. These are three guys I love. They all went in a row early ninth round. Mike Williams, huge, huge positive touchdown candidate, obviously, in this year. I'd call it ironic touchdown regression season coming up for 2020 after in 2019 I own none of Mike Williams because he was a huge touchdown regression candidate uh Deontay Johnson it the 9-3 really really just like the player he's a really good player and we just trust Pittsburgh wide receivers basically and Big Ben's gonna be back and James Washington could go away we hope fingers crossed maybe uh obviously just used differently anyways but Miko Hardman at the 9-4 really good value there I think Sony Michelle at the 9-5 like I don't hate that pick especially if you're going to try and maybe scoop some other pieces in that backfield for New England it's definitely a way I try and attack some of those potent running backfields where you can look on a website uh shoot I can't remember off the top of my head football uh database or something uh the huddle something like that but it shows wide receiver positions like points by positions Oh my god, I'm on the clock here and it froze. Jesus Murphy. Yep, yep. How much time? I got 22 seconds here. I got lots of time. Billy Diz in the his. Oh, but I could wait. Jonu. Okay, okay. Where is he going to get drafted? Let's do it. I wonder how high. Oh, oh, I got auto drafted. The highest guy on my rankings and that's Zach Moss. So I'm not devastated by that, but the guy was going <laughs> to. It kind of hurts. The guy was going to take is Chase Edmonds. Obviously, we saw David Johnson released. I don't know uh, if this ranking uh, on MFL is 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 high enough because Chase Edmonds is going to get a lot of pull there. He looked really good when he was on the field. I don't know if Kenyon Drake's going to be back with Arizona. I know he's a spectacular fit, but do they want to pay a running back long term? You know, Kenyon Drake wants term, and he's going to get term from somebody and I just don't know if that team is the Cardinals so Chase Edmonds is in a really nice spot he's definitely going to be the player I'm targeting here uh in in the 11th round now god darn it the other guy I'm looking at because what I wanted to do there was take that guy and then uh you know take Chase Edmonds there and then I had Willie Diz uh Will Disley Johnny Smith and OJ Howard as tight ends I'm looking at as my tight end too uh, John U. Smith was kind of the guy I wanted to wait and see if I get him in the 11th there, but he just went at the 11-10, so that's really devastating. Let's see if I can fire back and get these picks going again where I was. Will Fuller, gone. Brandon Cooks at the same range. That's a funny one. Uh, I don't really remember where I was. Sony Michelle. So Darius Slayton, that's a good one at 9-6. Aaron Rodgers, if you're interested, 9-7. Robbie Anderson with no landing spot right now at the 9-9. I think that's a really good value, actually. Sterling Shepard, 9-10, boring. Ronald Jones at the 9-11. Eh, uh, David Johnson, maybe he ends up in Tampa Bay. Who knows with Ronald Jones. He definitely doesn't have Arians' trust. I'll put it that way. Curtis Samuel at the 9-12. I, I like that pick. I just, Joe Brady and Matt Rule, that offense is going to be very conducive for fantasy and very conducive for the deep ball, I think. And we'll see who, what happens at quarterback there. Maybe they have Justin Herbert in Carolina. Who knows? Uh, Latavius Murray at the 10-1. Interesting pick. Definitely what we talked about with the Saints having an overall regression in touchdowns uh, from their backfield. So I'm going to take Chase Edmonds here as my RB5. So I have five running backs. I have five wide receivers, one tight end, one quarterback. I really like this roster build so far. That's kind of, you know, it's an ideal one almost. Uh, when you get to the 12th round, you definitely want to have good balance on your roster. Uh, so let's run it down really quick. I have Deshaun Watson at quarterback. My running backs are Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, 
Duke Johnson, Zach Moss, a rookie running back, and Chase Edmonds. I definitely left the the window open where I'm going to be probably just adding one more rookie running back at you know near the end of this draft. We'll we'll definitely see once we get there. And my wide receivers are Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, Jerry Judy. At tight end, I have just TJ Hawkinson. What I wanted, you know, I fucked up that Zach Moss pick. I really want to take Chase Edmonds there, take uh, uh, Willie Disley, uh, you know, someone like that. And, and I, I kind of dick that up. There's still some tight ends I, I like a lot there. There's Will Disley, Irv Smith. Who else would be on the board? David Njoku probably, you know, that might sound funny, but I actually like David Njoku this year with a new, uh, a new system there and kind of a fresh start at least uh, first impressions wise with the coaching staff. So I actually, and we know Baker Mayfield's history with tight ends. So I actually like, actually like David Njoku. So don't laugh. Somebody who would be on my roster under a different circumstance here already would be someone like Preston Williams, LaVisca Chenault, and Henry Ruggs are rookie wide receivers that should be off the board at this point, in my opinion. And, you know, the quarterbacks, just for the record and for my reference in the future, in the 12th and 13th round, there's really no quarterbacks left. Uh, even guys like Daniel Jones went in the 10th round. Let's actually just get back here. Uh, Latavius Murray, I said in the 10th. So Tariq Cohen at the 10-2, I really like that pick. We always look for this profile of running back in the 9th or 10th round. Obviously, doesn't get a ton of carries, but guess what? Tariq Cohen had the most carries in the NFL last year without scoring a rushing touchdown. And obviously, we knew he would have a huge regression in touchdowns. Another guy I just own very little of because of the obvious regression in touchdowns he's going to see in 2019. But in 2020, uh, you know, he he also played a career high in snaps last year. So that's what I'm getting at. David Montgomery did not get that work, much to a lot of people's dismay. Tariq Cohen continued to see it. He also saw a lot of use when there was injuries at the wide receiver corps. Uh, he was used outside. He was used really creatively by Matt Nagy. And I just really like Tariq Cohen. He could also be used in a role that Taylor Gabriel's been used in because Taylor Gabriel's probably a cut candidate for Chicago also a great signing candidate for a lot of teams as their wide receiver three or four but Tariq Cohen I think he has a lot of value in the ninth or tenth round and he fits the bill of those guys because it might it might be a really big surprise to some people but running backs in the ninth and tenth round have a higher hit rate historically than running backs drafted in the sixth seventh and eighth rounds and usually they're great guys to add uh, because it's kind of like what I see with Chase Edmonds he's definitely gonna have a role in Arizona because of how many plays from on offense they're gonna run and you know, how much they involve their running backs. And they also have a lot of room for growth when it comes to red zone work uh, for that running back room in Arizona compared to 2019. Uh, They're bottom five, bottom six in the league when it comes to total red zone rushes when it comes to their running backs. You know, they were top five also in yards per carry. They were top five in explosive rushing. So we really like the system that Cliff Kingsbury's put in place here. So Tree Cohen, and then, like I said with those quarterbacks, you had Daniel Jones, Matt Ryan. This is where I took TJ Hawkinson. I took TJ Hawkinson over a couple of running backs I really wish I took when I see the ADP now. Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. I really like Brandon Cooks, really like Will Fuller in the 10th round. Uh, Ian Thomas, I really like that pick at the late 10th round. Definitely a guy I was keying in on. I really need a tight end for the love of God. Hunter Renfro a little early in the 10th round just doesn't have the upside to kind of pay off anything higher than like a 7th or 8th round ADP ever, so I don't know why. Uh, you're going to put him that high, especially when you have someone like Darren Waller is kind of like a super version of what everyone wants Hunter Renfro to be in fantasy. Tony Pollard at the 10-11. What a great pick. I love that pick in the 10th round. This is what we're talking about. These profile running backs, these are the guys who have the good hit rates because of their built-in upside. And obviously the upside that is on top of that when it comes to running backs in front of them and the systems they play in. On the same, Along the same vein is Justice Hill right behind him at the 10-12. I really like that pick as well. And, oh, my God, at the 11-1 was Daryl Henderson. That's the pick I was kind of referring to where I just, I wish I took him over TJ Hawkinson and just punted the tight end position. I might have been able to get a Mike Gesicki really late, and, yeah, that one hurts a lot. 
So, you know, you also see Alexander Madison. He's the guy who won't have the hit rate in this range of the draft. But Daryl Henderson, I really like that. Alexander Madison, I think if you're drafting him in the 11th round, you're just you, you're banking on super high variance, which would be a, a, an injury to Dalvin Cook. And so this is the round I accidentally took Zach Moss. Um, Royce Freeman, not a guy I'm looking at. I really like Jonu Smith in this range of the draft. Jared Jared Goff, you know, good. T. Higgins, great pick there. So I kind of have to take Irv Smith here. But yeah, Rashad Penny would be an interesting point to the Alexander Madison. Like I could have just wait. You could just wait a couple rounds, take a Rashad Penny. So if I time out, I'm gonna take Irv Smith. The guys I'm looking at are all rookies, to be honest. Eno Benjamin, Jalen Rieger, Lavisca Chenault, Michael P. Ryan. And then tight ends, you know, Irv Smith's there. I have Dawson Knox, Chris Herndon, Eric Ebron down my list here. Eric Ebron could land in a really nice spot, I think. And uh, obviously we know that he he's kind of a pure pass catcher. So he's definitely a guy I'll be looking at later in this draft as well, maybe even as soon as next round. CJ Uzuma, another tight end that I think could be used kind of like Tyler Eifert was. Tyler Eifert is a free agent right now. And, you know, unless he wants to take a big discount, I think some team could use him, basically. You could go to Dallas and do what Jason Witten did or something, you know, on less snaps. But we'll see. Uh, so I did. I took him. I took him. I timed out. <laughs> so let's keep going here. Because T. Higgins in the 12th round, that was a good pick. Matt Stafford in the 12th round, I'd love to have paired him with T.J. Hawkinson and Kenny Galladay on my roster. Uh, Cole Beasley in the 12th, I, I don't know what that guy was thinking. There's just no upside there taking him in the 12th round. Uh, Chase Edmonds, I liked my pick there. Boston Scott, I like that pick a lot. I definitely think he sees a lot of work. We know Doug Peterson's history with you know running back by committee. I tried to fight against it with you know Deuce Staley narratives and all these narratives going back to Ryan Matthews and Demarco Murray and all these guys back to Shady McCoy because all because of Miles Sanders. We same pick as Shady McCoy was overall for Philly ten years before him. So I just thought it was you know destiny, but. Boston Scott, I, I think he's a good pick because he's going to see some work. O.J. Howard, I like that pick in the 12th round. Why the hell not? I know O.J. Howard went the way of all other Bruce Arians tight ends in the history other than Todd Heap. So, you know, or not Todd Heap. What am I saying? Uh, uh, Heath. <laughs> Heath Miller. <laughs> uh, honest mistake. You are on deck. Yeah. Yeah, shit. So I think I'm going to do it. Eric Ebron. Interesting thing is quarterback is really scary right now and i could take cam newton uh you oh i didn't really think of that either so you know i just want to point something out because i i said you know i always take two quarterbacks i don't really think of the fact that it could bite me in the butt however i i you know anecdotally i don't remember off the top of my head i probably did about you know 50 60 drafts before uh best ball uh drafts before the nfl draft uh, or before you get bye weeks, I guess, before the schedule makers made the schedule, maybe more. But there was very few teams that I ended up with uh, quarterbacks that had the same bye week. And some people might think of it like throwing 10 bucks away, but I just think having extra bullets to fire at the skill position players when there's so much up in the air and there's so much value to be reaped when it comes to these rookies at this point in the year before we even get combine results. So I just, I'm, I, I just feel like you may as well just take that risk of you know that that very very low percent chance that you have the two quarterbacks on your roster that have the same bye week uh because yeah i just want that extra running back i want that sixth running back i want that seventh or eighth uh wide receiver and frankly on this team i need that third tight end and i did that i took tj hawkinson i have irv smith and eric ebron those will be my only tight ends and i recommend that you don't wait this much longer to grab a tight end in the draft like i know 
Some of them are appealing, and I said CJ Uzma, I could have done something like add Kyle Rudolph to hedge my Irv Smith bet, but Kyle Rudolph being a top five paid tight end will no longer be in 2020. I expect him to be cut, maybe signed somewhere else, unless he wants to really restructure his deal. But Minnesota could just use the cap room. Ryan Griffin's guy I, I would have been interested in, but what I would have liked to do is add both those New York Jets tight ends because I think one of them is going to have a really good season. Uh, I really like Chris Herndon. <laughs> If I had Willie Disley, maybe Jacob Holster would have been a very interesting option. Actually, that might be my favorite one to do. But after that, you're banking on like, you know, high variance weekly touchdown upside that you might get, you might not from Tyler Eifert, you know, guys like that. An interesting one is I might start adding guys, you know, Greg Olson's there as well. We know he's going to land somewhere and he's going to have a small role. Uh, he's actually, he was, I think he's doing the game that I'm, that I got in the background. I, you know, I muted it for the boys for this recording here. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Greg Olson's doing some some color commentary here for the XFL. Uh, but he will get a landing spot. So, I mean, if you want to take him as your third tight end, not really my style. I want the guy who could blow up. And, you know, that's why I took Eric Ebron because, say, Eric Ebron lands in New England. Say he lands somewhere, you know, with, with a lot of volume uh, forthcoming. It's just Eric Ebron could blow up. We've seen that uh, Detroit took care of his development. And, you know, he's kind of been pretty useful and we saw his upside with Andrew Luck so yeah maybe Andrew Luck comes back and Eric Ebron goes where where he goes you know who knows joins the book club David Njoku went in the 12th some of the guys Preston Williams went in the 12th Joe Burrow in the 12th round Carlos Hyde 12th round Jack Doyle in the 13th round speaking of uh, Andrew Luck and the Colts Jamal Williams 13-2 see these kind of picks like Jamal Williams are the same as taking uh, Alexander Madison who I think is going to go really high uh, Emmanuel Sanders actually kind of expect you know them to work something out in San Francisco maybe that would make a lot of sense for both parties I don't know after Emmanuel Sanders made that miraculous spectacular unbelievable recovery I'm just not sure you know I wouldn't be surprised if he suffers an injury in 2020 it's not like something I'd try and predict but just anecdotally it just seems like it could happen after having an Achilles injury at 30 and then, you know, playing almost 20 games the next season <laughs> and not, not getting a bye week during the regular season because of trade. Henry Ruggs went in the 13th round. You know, Willie Diz uh, went two picks before my Irv Smith. So I've really been sniped all draft in tight ends. I got to keep that in mind that I got to grab my tight ends a little earlier than I have been uh, in the future. So I'm going to start looking at wide receivers here for sure. Alshon's still there. <laughs> D.D. Westbrook's still there. Corey Davis still there. But yeah, these are some nice rookies still on the board. KJ Hamler's there too, so I can wait if I want on some of these guys. So maybe I'll go rookie running. Nah, wait and see which rookie running back I end up with late. So Justin Jefferson, Brendan Ayuk. Brendan Ayuk's really interesting because he can make a lot happen after the catch, so I might take him. TJ Tyler Johnson I really like because he's a senior. He could produce early. Actually, I'm going to go Justin Jefferson just because he's kind of on a magical run here. And he's, but he's so young. Ah. Ah. So I took Justin Jefferson there. Okay, so I definitely have to take a quarterback. I like. You are up. So, Tua Tangavaloa or Philip Rivers? Obviously, philosophically, um, I'm going to take Tua here in the 17th round. And that's pretty much my roster filled out, except I'm going to take a wide receiver and two defenses here. If I really wanted to, I could add an extra running back or quarterback or whatever. What I want to say, though, is Tua Tagovailoa over Phillip Rivers. I know it seems weird, but I am anticipating Deshaun Watson to play a lot of games for me, right? So 
Now, the other thing is I'm expecting Tua Tagovailoa to be starting pretty early in the season, like, say, week four, five, six, somewhere in that range. I really expect that. As long as his medicals check out of the combine, a lot of faith in Tua Tagovailoa. And, shit, I forgot to mention that I did take LaMichael P. Ryan before that. And I'll go back and I'll talk some of these picks, some of the interesting guys that stood out here. And maybe just give a recap of, you know, where I dicked up, what I did wrong, stuff like that. Because it is my first draft of the year. Tua over Phillip Rivers. We know what Phillip Rivers is. You know, his ceiling's quarterback 12 and to be honest on a weekly basis he doesn't really have top five upside either so he's not going to give me many of those spiked weeks and that's all you're looking for from a quarterback too if Tua hits he's going to hit big man he's very accurate I could go all day about Tua I won't because I'm on deck here and I'm trying to decide whether I want to do because I have Brendan Ayuk Tyler Johnson KJ Hamler I absolutely love all three of those rookie wide receivers all three of those rookie wide receivers have different reasons why they could produce in year one however this defensive tier is shrinking. I know I can get one of these three rookies as late as the 20th round, especially a KJ Hamler or Tyler Johnson. Brendan Ayuk, a uh, better prospect than in Keel Harry out of Arizona State. So Minnesota defense, Denver defense, Philadelphia defense. Let's go defense here. Let's go defense. So Tampa Bay is out there too. The The best play would be to go safe and go Minnesota here. Xavier Rhodes is going to hit the hit the roads. They might replace him. Obviously, they've they've not done extremely well. I think Trey Waynes is even overrated. I think it, he kind of defines that <clears throat> that whole tier of uh, players in the NFL who are they're good and everything. But there's a huge difference between being above average and being elite and elite and especially elite speed wide receivers just burn Trey Waynes. And yeah, he's a four three guy, but. You know, you can't cover a lot of guys. But, you know, Minnesota, they've done me well in the past, uh, actually, in MFLs and stuff. So, obviously, we don't want to see what happened in the playoffs happen out there in the return game. But they've also been dangerous in the past in the return game. And we'll see. Defense is what it is. The more You're also running the risk of having shared defensive teams where if it wasn't rookie season and I didn't have rookie fever and I didn't take both Jerry Judy and Justin Jefferson and I'm looking to take a third rookie here, if that wasn't the case, I'd definitely be looking at three defenses. And the win rates, when you're looking at the difference between three defenses and two defenses, is pretty negligible. So, you know, a lot of people, it's it's a contentious argument. It sounds silly, but a lot of people believe in three defenses very strongly. A lot of people believe in two defenses really strongly. I believe in two defenses pretty strongly because, you know, why why not? Uh, if it's 50-50, I'll just take the other bullet to fire at wide receiver or tight end. Or even, you know, I usually I'll, I'll use that pick and take a third tight end. And tight end's a position where you can hit home runs on. We've done it with Kittle. We've done it, you know, a lot of times with Darren Waller last year. A lot of people can hit at the tight end position uh, that you're drafting late at the draft. So, you know, I'm always looking for those kind of guys. I think Eric Ebron was a perfect example in the 14th round. If he has a great landing spot in free agency, we know he's a pure pass catcher and, uh, yeah, he, had a, he has some recovery time when it comes to his injury, so I'm on the Eric Ebron board while he's entering his prime in tight end years. So I lost out on almost all my defense twos there. That is devastating. I could take a team like Seattle, who, you know, will give you some spiked weeks, especially, like, their home games. They're pretty, you know, they have good splits at home and on the road, so there's definitely a, you know, you could do something like that. You are on deck. But, oh, no, I do have one that I had queued up here. And all three of my rookie wide receivers are still on the board. So it kind of, I don't know, makes me want to go a little safer as my wide receiver seven because I have Justin Jefferson. I have Jerry Judy. Oh. You are up. Having said that, Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy, those two wide receivers, they're going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. And when you have capital like that, you're going to get work. 
Think of Calvin Ridley, think of DJ Moore, guys like that most recently, who Jerry Judy is more talented than Justin Jefferson might be. Let's go, Jacksonville. So my defense will be Minnesota and Jacksonville. Fuck, wish it was 2015 or 16 or 17 or whenever. You know, those those two teams have just they've had some high end performances in the fantasy world at the team defense. <laughs> Travis Homer, there's a guy you should be taking twentieth round. Edo Thompson. Or Edo Smith, sorry, Chris Thompson. Yeah, if you want. Uh, Jalen Hurd. That's a guy you could target in the 20th round, so your best balls. Some of the rookies, like Tyler Johnson. Some of the interesting, Malcolm Brown didn't get drafted. If you're taking Daryl Henderson, grab Malcolm Brown even later. Uh, in the 20th, Naeem Hines' is 20th round pick that I'd be fine with. Uh, KJ Hamler is the guy I'm looking at. And then the other, you got Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead. You could take both those guys in the 19th and 20th to, as your you know, running back 5 and 6 if you grab like a Saquon or CMC at the beginning of the draft. And I am going to take Brandon Ayuk or Tyler Johnson or KJ Hamler. Tyler Johnson has an ADP. That's interesting. So maybe there is some ADP info now. Uh, probably should have looked at that. I am just going to go with my rankings, and I'll take Brandon Ayuk. What can I say? Better prospect than Enkil Harry out of Arizona State. He's a pure yards after the catch machine. He led this wide receiver class in yards after the catch per reception. Uh, he doesn't hit breakout age and things like that, but it's obvious because he was behind a five-star recruit in Enkil Harry, who they just insisted on using at a much higher volume. And so I really, really like Brandon Ayuk, and he... If he goes in the first round of the NFL draft, I won't be surprised. So I know I said Justin Jefferson is a first-round draft pick. Either Justin Jefferson or Brandon Ayuk, one of those guys, they're going to be right around the first, first second-round turn. we got to remember, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, That's these guys went in the second round. So it's it's even a heavier uh, class this year. Remember how high Kill Harry went. I think Brandon Ayuk is a much better prospect. They both do the same thing well, which is make magic after the catch, but... I think Brendan Ayuk does that even better. Plus, he separates better, which is more important at the next level, especially uh, given your quarterback situation and schemes and all that. So that pretty much wraps up my draft here. I'm going to go over my team. Let's look at some of this draft board, actually. So I'll run down my team first. So my quarterbacks are Deshaun Watson, Tua Tagovailoa. Definitely, uh, that could bite me in the ass. That's It's not a great quarterback group. But at the same time, as long as Deshaun Watson stays healthy, that's not a group that's going to lose me a best ball tournament. I guarantee that. Even if I did take Deshaun Watson as the 80th pick overall in this draft, I think. Uh, at running back, I went running back with my first two picks. Both don't have huge pass catching upside. I tried to complement that with some pass catching upside. Uh, I didn't do the greatest job of that because of that Zach Moss pick. So let's look at my running backs. I took Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Duke Johnson, Zach Moss, Chase Edmonds, and LaMichael P. Ryan. Chase Edmonds and LaMichael P. Ryan, I both think are very good at catching the ball. They're both very smooth. I think LaMichael P. Ryan proved that at the Senior Bowl especially. I really, really liked, uh, he just impressed me big time. I think if he goes in the fourth or fifth round, it could be as a team starter, like Houston could take him or someone like that. If he was paired with Duke Johnson in Houston, I'd have a lot of upside from that backfield in my best ball roster here for a pretty cheap price. Zach Moss is the one where I wish I could have a do-over and grab a running back who had more pass catching upside so I could compliment Duke Johnson, Chase Edmonds, and LaMichael P. Ryan uh, with a pass catcher uh, of the likes. So Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb are insulated, even though I do think both those two players, Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs, have a tad more pass catching upside than they're getting credit for in early 2020 uh, fantasy market value or whatever. So at wide receiver, two, four, six, I went with seven wide receivers, three of them rookies, four of them all in a row in the draft. So I took Kenny Galladay in the third, Allen Robinson in the fourth, Tyler Lockett in the fifth, and Terry McLaurin in the late sixth. 
And then later in the draft, I went Jerry Judy uh, in the late eighth, and I took Justin Jefferson, another likely first-round pick in the NFL draft. Very, very young player, obviously part of that really special LSU offense last year. And I would just love to see him in maybe New Orleans because of the history, uh, well, how Joe how Joe Brady was able to use him, who's kind of used him in, with a lot of similar packages that he stole from uh, New Orleans there when he was there uh, as a coaching analyst. And Brandon Ayuk is my last wide receiver I took to round out that wide receiver group here. If he has a quarterback who's willing to get him the ball quickly and often, he could be really dangerous and he could produce early and just be a really, really big fantasy option. I just, I really like his yards after the catch ability. At tight end, definitely my weakest group, I would say, is TJ Hawkinson, Irv Smith, and Eric Ebron. So a mix of guys I'm hoping break out. Obviously, I like sophomore players at all positions. Tight end is a little bit riskier. However, when you know they have the high draft capital and you know that they have the opportunity, uh, it's definitely an area where you can see a huge breakout. Just ask Mark Andrews from this year, obviously. Quarterback's a big part of that. But TJ Hawkinson, he can be used as the athletic tight end he is. I know he'll be asked to block a lot in that scheme. But we also saw that scheme kind of go above and beyond what we thought it would when it comes to the run game and pass game. They were very explosive. They were taking lots of shots, you know, in a, in a, in a creative way. Like, he'll have a high average depth of target. Hopefully, he's used deep down the field a little bit. And then we get to Irv Smith. He's a pure receiving tight end, and I'm not sure what's going to happen with one of the top five, you know, highest paid tight ends in Kyle Rudolph, who's ahead of him on the depth chart. We know Kirk Cousins likes to go to the tight end, and we saw Irv Smith kind of perform beside Kyle Rudolph at times. So I, I just, I like Irv Smith. I think he's going to have spiked weeks, and when we're getting to our tight end twos and stuff, we just want spiked weeks. We're not looking for the guy who's going to be consistent that you want to plug in your lineup for fantasy redraft. We just want spiked weeks, right? So TJ Hawkinson gives me a lot of those, I think. Irv Smith can give me some of those. Eric Ebron's just a shot. I took him in the 14th round, not expecting a ton, but if he hits, I do think it'll hit big, and it'll be via a terrific landing spot in free agency. And that's why you're taking advantage of these pockets of the offseason. It's freaking February right now. The Super Bowl just ended. I'm watching XFL on uh, mute right now. And doing a best ball live draft with a bunch of other degenerates, I guess. So my defenses, Minnesota Vikings and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's let's take a look at the draft board. Maybe I'll point out a few interesting picks that we saw along the draft. Maybe what I what I see in real time here as I'm looking at it. Uh, you know, first four picks were all running backs. No surprise there. Michael Thomas went at five. I guess that's a little bit of a surprise in those top four running backs. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry. I took Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones. So a five running back run there in the first round. And then the next four picks were wide receivers. We saw Tyreek Hill, Nuke Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones. Maybe the most interesting uh, takeaway in that second round, what I did. And if I could have a do-over, you know, I might actually start uh, a different way. Because Travis Kelsey went, obviously, ahead of me there in the second round. I ended up taking Josh Jacobs over George Kittle. I think we'll see George Kittle go ahead of Travis Kelsey in a lot of drafts. I think we'll see those guys go right around the mid-second round every draft. So... I took Josh Jacobs there. If I could have a do-over, it wouldn't be taking George Kittle, even though now that I'm looking at it, it would be taking Austin Eckler or taking Miles Sanders instead of Josh Jacobs. Just because I took Nick Chubb, I probably should have taken much more upside. Austin Eckler, I mean, he if it wasn't for Christian McCaffrey, he would have had a record-setting season when it comes to pass catching. He had almost 1,000 yards receiving. It was the fourth most in NFL history by a running back. I mean, I can't. I, I could go on and on about Austin Eckler. He led running backs in yards per run. He's just a, a spectacular weapon when it comes to pass catching and he gets into 
the deeper topic of why we love these high variance undrafted free agents that can come out of nowhere. They're so cheap, and you know the, their career arcs are unpredictable. They're just you gotta own these guys. Matt Burrito would be the guy. Keep him on your roster right now. So. Chris Godwin, second round, you know, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, if you're taking him in the second round, you are really banking on Arizona committing to him in a long-term deal of some sort, you know, probably $20 million plus committed guaranteed money, so not sure we see that happening. Next four picks after that were all wide receivers, DJ Moore, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr., and AJ Brown, so OBJ, AJB, back-to-back. Rookie running back DeAndre Swift went in the fourth round. The same guy took J.K. Dobbins the next round in the fourth round. So, you know, well, I'm trying to glean a lot of information when it comes to ADP doing my first best ball of the year. Seeing the same guy take DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins in the same draft, you know, it makes me think that maybe I'm not going to jump up and, and take these guys. I'm going to keep them valued where I had them valued, so to speak. I'm not going to let that ADP influence me as much. So it's important to see the context in the draft that you're in as well and read your opponents as you're in there as well because these guys are degenerates. You'll see them all offseason if you're doing lots of best balls. And you know what? They're guys I recognize from last year. So Some other interesting ones. We saw Zach Ertz still going in the four, you know early fourth round. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Keenan Allen going in the fourth round, I really think that's a showing that you have a shrewd draft. It's just important to know that your draft's a pretty smart draft. I took Allen Robinson in the fourth round. Not sure if that is a good pick or not. I like Allen Robinson. I almost took him over Kenny Galladay, who I took in the third round. Basically, I was just going on a nice little wide receiver run there where I took Galladay, Robinson, Lockett, McLaurin. Some of the other interesting ones, we saw Darren Waller and Mark Andrews go in the fifth round. I just love those picks in the fifth round. DK Metcalf, I love that pick in the fifth round. Debo Samuel in the fifth round, no problems there. Carry on Johnson in the fifth round, why not? Devontae Parker, nah. Adam Thielen, nah. But I do think it's interesting that Stefan Diggs is still going in the fourth, but Adam Thielen's going in the fifth. I think they heavily influence each other. I think they both do not pay off that ADP, just like they did not pay off their ADPs this year. Raheem Mostert went behind Damian Williams. Uh, when I'm looking at the Super Bowl boys, I have Raheem Mostert ranked ahead of Damian Williams, but maybe we can get to the... Yeah, I'll just say it now because Tevin Coleman went at the 8-1. And I, what I thought was really interesting is the guy used his turn picks there to take Kareem Hunt and Tevin Coleman, two kind of uh, guys we're not really sure what's going to happen with them in 2020 right now. So I thought that was interesting because it wasn't even the, the most spectacular value, right, at the 7th, 8th turn there. So when I talked about that fifth round and not liking Devontae Parker and Adam Thielen as much, I did like DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel. I like my pecker Tyler Lockett later. Uh, but I also liked Robert Woods. That was another good pick in the fifth round. But that was also that guy's wide receiver one. So that's an interesting pick because he looked down at his team and he's got Marvin Jones, Robbie Anderson, Anthony Miller, Cole Beasley, Deshaun Jackson. That's a really tough wide receiver room to get behind. He also has two rookie running backs. He's also the dude who took Melvin Gordon in the third round. So you, you clock these names and realize that that might be the guy uh, you don't have to worry about as much uh, when you're looking at your cue list if he's, you know, ahead of you in the turn or whatever. So as we go along here, definitely uh, I really like that run of slot wide receivers we saw here to end the sixth round. We saw Tyler Boyd, Julian Edelman, Jarvis Landry, and Christian Kirk all go back to back to back to back. And the other wide receivers in this range that I just love are, you know, I took McLaurin, DJ Chark, Michael Gallup, all three of those guys. I really like their, their value, especially Gallup and McLaurin. John Brown, seventh round. I don't know if I can if I can swallow that pill. David Johnson, I'm uh, not touching him there. Guy is absolutely cooked. I could go on and on, but he's one of the worst out of all qualified running backs in almost every running stat. Uh, in the last two years, we've seen him. So you know we can't chase 2015 uh, anymore. And 
you know, I, I don't hate the rest of his running back group. It's really interesting. So, you know, it won't bury his team. What I'm saying is a seventh round pick. It, it doesn't necessarily kill your team when you draft a bad seventh round pick. But yeah, definitely not a guy I'm looking at in the seventh round. Cam Akers, a guy in the seventh round, he'll definitely go up post uh, NFL draft when he gets some draft capital. He's not a guy I'm like necessarily sold on, to be honest, but he could have been a victim of circumstance in college. There's a lot of argument there about offensive line and all that. And, you know, he did have a good early breakout and all that. So Hunter Henry in the seventh round, I really like that value. It's just kind of incredible looking at Hunter Henry going in the same range as Tyler Higby and Jared Cook. And the next round with the tight ends in the eighth round, seeing Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant, those are two tight ends I'm very interested in right around that range. Although they do feel like guys who they have a range of outcomes where they don't pay off that ADP, of course. And one thing I'm noticing, when I took Deshaun Watson, it was like three or four rounds later than anybody had ta- since anybody had taken a quarterback. Uh, I took him in the mid-seventh round at 80th overall, so you say that's a little early, but if you look right behind me, we see guys going right away. Russell Wilson went right after him, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, uh, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, all those guys went pretty quickly after I took Deshaun Watson. So I was happy to get ahead of runs and kind of create runs if you have to. That's kind of what I was getting at, especially because I have like this weird tier this year where it's Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes at the top for sure. And then Deshaun Watson in like this solo tier. And then I get to Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, and Russell Wilson. And I do like that next tier of Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, and Russell Wilson. I just rather get them late 8th, early ninth, right? And so if we're talking about kind of this weird area of running backs as well, I, I mentioned, you know, Darius Geis went in this range, David Johnson, Cam Akers, James White, Devontae Freeman, uh, and Tevin Coleman, Ronald Jones. Those are guys I'm just not a fan of. And even Sony and Michelle, to be honest. I know the guy's top 10 in red zone carries the last couple of years, but we're chasing a glare blunt season, and, you know, Belichick doesn't even operate that way. Michelle doesn't even see all the goal line carries there. So, you know, I think his value also with his knee it's just there's no way i can buy sony michelle right now to be honest and we didn't even get to see damian harris there's there's just a lot there with sony michelle i took duke johnson in that range i know carlos hyde's uncertain future there but duke johnson's under contract and you know houston has a little bit of upside there when it comes to being a high-powered offense you know it just that's that's a good spiked week stack there when it comes to duke johnson adding him to the quarterback deshaun watson so I really like that stack there. And I, I tried to get Will Fuller, but I ended up having to take TJ Hawkinson because I had no tight end on my roster there. I did end up taking Jerry Judy. That's the rookie. Uh, I took him in the eighth round. And again, I started a little bit of a run because I saw CD Lamb go right after that. And then some of the wide receivers that I was considering over Jerry Judy and CD Lamb went right after that. I had Mikkel Hardman really close, Deontay Johnson and Mike Williams all really close in the same tier there. So it was interesting to see those guys go because pretty quick after that, it's a little bit of a drop-off. Guys that I like, but their breakout seems less likely. And I'm talking about guys like Darius Slayton, Robbie Anderson, Sterling Shepard, Curtis Samuel, Hunter Renfro, Inkeel Harry. And then the guys I wanted to talk about in uh, the 10th round there are Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. For my team, I would have liked it if I was able to get him there. Uh, on the way back in the 11th, I probably would have taken him. But for those two teams that I'm looking at, I don't really like the picks because... No matter how late it is, they just don't have stability at their wide receiver positions to to pull off being able to draft a Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. For example, the Bildozer here, that is his uh, wide receiver three. And Devontae Parker and DJ Chark are uh, his top two. And they're guys who have only had good 2019s in their career. 
So I just thought that was interesting. And he has Golden Tate's the only other wide receiver. He has only taken four wide receivers in the top uh, 14 rounds. He also took Larry Fitzgerald, Steven Sims, and Zach Pascal. That might be the worst wide receiver group you'll see in any best ball in 2020. And the Bulldozer is a vet. He's a vet from last year. I've seen him dozens of drafts. Uh, the other guy with Will Fuller, he had a decent start with Michael Gallup, but that was actually, no, Michael Gallup's his first wide receiver. Then he went A.J. Green, Jameson Crowder, Darius Slayton must be in the Big Apple, and then he took Will Fuller, and then Brashad Perryman, and Kenny Stills, and Sammy Watkins. So, you know, interesting what he does there with Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. I'm not sure Kenny Stills has much of a future. You know, you got to think, he's pretty old in NFL years now, and I, I really like Kenny Stills, especially what he does off the field and all that. So one thing I've noticed in here on the board is if you don't get that Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson tier, I'm definitely not taking Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones. Whoa. Uh, wow. Two, four, six. Daniel Jones is like a top eight quarterback in this draft. Um, I'm definitely not taking those guys in the top 10 rounds. Those guys all went in the top 10 rounds. A lot of them went in single digit rounds there. So I'm definitely waiting till this next year. Uh, I'll take these guys in the 11th all day. Uh, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, eh. Uh, I'd like to get him a little later because of value sake. And then Jameis Winston, I'm eating him up. I really hope he's back with Tampa Bay, especially for the wide receivers. It's kind of the reason I wasn't all over a wide receiver. Uh, Chris Godwin there in that second round and took Josh Jacobs is because I'm unsure he will skyrocket back up to, you know, right at that turn there with Tyreek Hill and uh, DeAndre Hopkins in that tier there. But even behind them, we said Jared Goff, Matt Stafford. These are guys I really am interested in. Even Joe Burrow, you know, he went in the 12th round. That's a little early, but I'll be interested in Joe Burrow because of that Zach Taylor pass-heavy offense. He's going to have some weapons. We'll see what happens with AJ Green. Maybe they replace him. Maybe they add in the second round, the top of that round, add one of these dangerous uh, wide receiver weapons to help Joe Burrow right away. And then even, you know, Frig, man, give me some Ben Roethlisberger, hook it up. And Cam Newton in the 14th round, I love that. Ryan Tannehill in the 13th round, hook that up. Uh, so a lot of value at the at the quarterback position, you know, and water is wet. Don't panic, just grab a couple late there in the, in the 11th, 12th, and 13th round. And it's very important roster construction-wise to, you know, set aside two picks for that. Remember not to have two running backs at that point, and you're like, oh, you know, you'll be scrambling. So just looking back at some of these uh, picks that stand out, Willie Disley, I really like that pick. I want to look at what this guy did here really quick. He he took Mike Gesicki in the 11th, OJ Howard in the 12th, and Willie Disley in the 13th. That is just fucking masterful. That's how you build a tight end group. That's the way I love to build my tight end group because I those are three of the guys I'm going to be targeting is basically what I'm getting at, especially if they're going at this range in the draft. I'll have a lot of them. Uh, If I could trade that for TJ Hawkinson, Irv Smith, and Eric Ebron, I would all day. It all goes back to me screwing up that Zach Moss pick. So I'll get over it one day. I'm just not there yet. Actually, let's stay with tight end. So I I talked about those guys. Ian Thomas went in the 10th round. I I like that pick. I like Ian Thomas. Jonu Smith. uh, David Njoku at the end of the 12th round. I really actually like that pick. Jay Sternberger in the 14th. That's way too early for me. I don't even know if they're not going to bring in uh, free agent tight end. Not sure what's going to happen there. Kyle Rudolph in the 16th. We have no idea what's going to happen with him right now. You know, you had Chris Herndon, Dawson Knox in the 14th. Those are the kind of guys I'd be adding, especially because you're adding your tight end too, right? You want upside. So you're not looking at a Kyle Rudolph. You're not looking at Jack Doyle even. These kind of guys, I like Greg Olson in the 18th round instead, you know, basically. If you're, if you're dead set on adding a veteran tight end as your backup tight end, which you shouldn't be doing, you should be trying to grab this upside like a breakout candidate, Chris Herndon or Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox is a pretty... 
he's a pretty appealing sophomore tight end to be honest he, he showed us a lot that we had no idea he had and then the you know in the 17th round some guy took uh Thad, thaddeus moss like why his tight ends are jared cook chris herndon and thaddeus moss like i that i don't know Thaddeus Moss had a great year at LSU, but, you know, he might be my, I don't know if he's cracking my top 10 in this tight end class when it comes to prospects. Uh, you know, there's, you know, if you're going to add a tight end from this prospect group, you know, draft Hunter Bryant, like he's a peer receiving, I don't know, I won't get into it. Um, anything else I should get into here? I guess I could go through some of those rookies. I'm talking rookies. So, you know, late rookies values. Let's see. Henry Ruggs in the 13th. That's pretty good value. He should have first round draft capital. A lot of people are pegging him to the Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know, there's a lot of years where you see these picks. Josh Jacobs comes to mind because, you know, we're on the subject here. Josh Jacobs comes to mind because everyone said he was going to be in Oakland. You know, it was kind of a foregone conclusion. It was the worst kept secret. The worst kept secret in 2020s drafts, like early, like early vibes, is definitely Henry Ruggs to Philadelphia in the first round. Let's see some of these other rookies. Justin Jefferson, I took. I expect him to go in the first round. Uh, if I could have that one back, I don't know. We'll see. He's he's a little bit on the young side. That's you know we love from a prospect profile perspective. It's one of my biggest check marks is age, and he's going to be a 21 year old rookie. And Justin Jefferson's not only going to be a 21-year-old rookie in the NFL, but he's also an early declare, and he broke out at the age of 19, and he's one of only two wide receivers in this in this class to do that. So there's a lot to like for him. Obviously, the one thing is I hope he has a good situation because he did have the highest catchable target rate in college football last year among wide receivers in this class. So uh, it was almost 90%, so that, it's extremely high. If you look at someone like Jalen Rieger, it was like 20% higher than him almost, so. Uh, like Justin Jefferson. Where is Jalen Rieger? Yeah, because I would have taken him over. I would have taken Jalen Rieger over Justin Jefferson. Makes no- Okay, so Jalen Rieger went in the 14th, in the early 14th, and he went behind players, like, this is just ridiculous. I just can't believe the players he went behind here, like John Ross, Deshaun Jackson, Cole Beasley, Anthony Miller, Golden Tate, Emmanuel Sanders, Hunter Renfro. Some of these guys went rounds before Jalen Rieger. Jalen Rieger went in the 14th round that is really good value for Jalen Rieger I I don't know if he's going to be a first round pick it's similar to Jalen uh Justin Jefferson Jalen Rieger has you know the worst quarterback play in history but also you know some drop issues and you know obviously if they were to flip roles uh I think they would have performed similar you know what I mean it's that's the interesting thing and Justin, J- I, I said uh the two breakout guys uh 21 year old NFL rookies to have 19 year old breakout ages and uh also be early declares for this draft Jalen Rigger is the other guy. Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rigger. Uh, the other rookie I wanted to uh, seek out was LaVisca Chenault. He went at the late 14th, so after Jalen Rigger, and I, I would definitely be taking him after those players. I, You know, LaVisca Chenault's a guy I go back and forth on. He is a guy I probably won't have on a best ball team before the combine. If he runs even faster than a 4-5, I just want to have faster than a 4-5. But, you know, he was a three-star recruit, and... Sad injury issues. I just have I, I have a lot of red flags with Lavisca Chenault, even though I, I recognize his talent for sure. And you know, given the right scheme, right landing spot, he could be a super dangerous weapon. Imagine he gets drafted by New Orleans or something. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. That's an interesting one. Fifteenth round. Okay. Uh, not sure he has the pass catching upside to warrant being drafted that high in a best ball right now, in my opinion, without a good landing spot because you know he could easily drop to the fourth round and be an RB three on a on a roster given the running back landscape these days so Keyshawn Vaughn in the 15th a little early for me 
coming back around, these are where it gets interesting because I was looking. I have two guys that immediately stick out to me when I saw Keyshawn Vaughn. So Eno Benjamin went almost a full round after Keyshawn Vaughn, right before me. And I took LaMichael P. Ryan almost right behind that guy. So I really like those two players. We saw them both extensively at the Senior Bowl. So we have a lot better feel on those two prospects. I don't think it's recency bias. I think it's the fact that they have locked in top four or five round draft capital. I think a lot of teams have interest in both players, especially like teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. LaMichael P. Ryan and Eno Benjamin both showed their pass catching upside. I like to live Michael P. Ryan's career. I also like... A lot of teams liking him is basically what I'm getting at. So LaMichael Pirine, I was happy to add, especially when I added a Zach Moss. So I wanted LaMichael Pirine who has pass catching upside and he can fill that kind of role in an NFL backfield uh, for the time being until maybe he breaks out or something. Or maybe, uh, you know, that's his, that's his floor is what I'm saying. Uh, interesting Matt Breida in the 16th round. I don't mind that pick. If you were to take Tevin Coleman, I'd be taking Matt Breida in every draft. Uh, that did not happen. He took Jordan Howard and then Matt Breida, two guys who had zero pass catching upside last season, and Jordan Howard just has zero in his range of outcomes. So, you know, that's pretty interesting, but, you know, I'm not going to give this guy shit because he took Daryl Henderson and Justice Hill on his team, so I love that. He also took Dallas Goddard, David Njoku, and Cam Newton in the 14th round, so this guy knows what the fuck he's doing. Alan Lazard in the 17th round, you know, there's you could say this about a ton of guys here, and I maybe I will. But, yeah, that's a that's a decent pick in the 17th round. Uh, another rookie here, uh, Brian Edwards in the 18th round. I could have easily argued for Brian Edwards over Justin Jefferson or Jalen Rieger for fantasy purposes. But I also have a couple red flags of Brian Edwards. But he, he he's definitely going to have second-round NFL draft capital. Uh, that would be my bet. And those are the types of players we do want to get ahead of in uh, ADP for fantasy. Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rieger, these guys fit the bill. LaVisca Chenault even uh, from a value standpoint. These guys will increase in value post-combine and post-NFL draft, of course, once they have the coveted draft capital on their uh, resume. So Brennan Ayuk's the only other really interesting rookie that was taken. The other guys you're looking at in this range, Auden Tate, Traquan Smith, Steven Sims, Zach Pascal, Mohamed Sanu in his second year in that uh, scheme now, Randall Cobb, Chris Conley, Andy Isabella, Tyrell Williams, getting a little higher in the draft here. Paris Campbell, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. So that's pretty much it. You know, we're looking at my team here one last time. So in order, let's go running back Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, four wide receivers in a row, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin. And then I, I went off the board. I went quarterback to Sean Watson. So Jerry Judy, Duke Johnson, T.J. Hawkinson, Zach Moss, Chase Edmonds, Irv Smith, Eric Ebron. Justin Jefferson, LaMichael P. Ryan, Tua Tagovailoa, Minnesota defense, Jacksonville defense, Brandon Ayuk. So that's pretty much it. Thanks for joining me, and uh, I'll be back for lots more of these, and we'll, we'll have lots of uh, discussion going forward about different things we're going to do uh, regarding best ball and, and real uh, you know episodes with, with some structure. So I really do appreciate it. Everybody don't work too hard. And if uh, anybody has questions about best ball or anything, if anybody needs like a link to uh, my redraft rankings for 2020 or what rankings I'm using for this or something, uh, feel free to hit me up on my DMs at TNFFTyrell. I really appreciate Travis Seal and thanks so much for him and the outlet. Make sure you follow him on Twitter and follow the website at TrueNorthFFB.com. so much make sure you follow and subscribe I really really appreciate it you subscribe and go into your settings auto delete after a week it really helps us out uh, you guys are too good to us